Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good weekend so far. I'm with you until seven this Saturday morning. After six, I'm in conversation. But first, it's the best of Steve Allen. My weekly roundup of some of the best bits from my early breakfast shows, starting with this. So the mum tells the school to ban Sleeping Beauty as the princess doesn't give consent. Oh, sod off. I mean, seriously, I mean, we must have gone really just... I mean, can't you just go somewhere else, dear? Please, 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 please. You're far too ridiculous for words. It's just a little story. It's a little story. You must have real angst in your house. There must be, I mean, there must be. There must be something that you... Do you look around for things? It was like years ago. We had it, didn't we? I mean, not necessarily on the same line, but, you know, people banning gollies. Because you couldn't have gollies because they were they were sort of racist, and then and then people went well actually you know they decided that they weren't so they didn't uh, they didn't bother until some poor woman got raided by the police uh, for having them displayed, and in the end they had to give them all back again because it made them look very silly. I mean, to, to be honest with you, taking genuinely important issues and trivialising with rubbish like banning Sleeping Beauty is just somebody with a beaky nose and twitching curtains who just wants to look for something. It's just, you know... I mean, if you want to go through all of the of the little, you know, fairy tales, Peter Pan, best friend, was a fairy. Don't start. You know, then you had, of course... Uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven People of Restricted Stature. What was going on there, eh? What was going on in that house? Here she is. Oi! Make some porridge. The Three Bears. Goldilocks. The Three Bears. She was a skivvy. Why have you not closed that one down as well? Because it gets ridiculous. You know, Sleeping Beauty was asleep. You didn't have to give consent. It's a story, dear. It's a story. I'd love to go around your house and see what you've got. I bet you've got some very odd stuff in there, haven't you? It's like little children. They don't know that. Only when stupid parents stick their noses in and come up with stuff like that. You know, you know what'll happen is they'll invite her onto television programmes and for a brief five seconds she'll have that instant little bit of fame. This is Sarah Hall. She says it promotes Sleeping Beauty uh, inappropriate sexual behaviour. It's, it's for little children. She's a mother of two. She was concerned about the message that the story where the prince kisses Sleeping Beauty to wake her from her cursed slumber sent uh, young, younger children the wrong message. The wrong message. However, she added that she felt the story should not be compulsorily removed. Well, thank God for that. If we ever took any notice of somebody like you, Miss Hall, you know, we're in a, we're in a dreadful place. And uh, she said, I think it's a specific issue in the Sleeping Beauty story about sexual behaviour and consent. It's about saying, is this still relevant? Is it appropriate? Oh, Popper, you must you must try and worry about other things, dear. My son is only six. He absorbs everything he sees, and it isn't as if I can turn it into a constructive conversation. I shouldn't imagine, dear, you have constructive conversations with a six-year-old at all. What would you be discussing with him? The state of Brexit. I don't think taking Sleeping Beauty books out of circulation completely be right. They're not going to, darling. They're laughing at you. Seriously. She said, I actually think it'd be a great resource for older children. You could have a conversation around it. It's a fairy story, love. It's a fairy story. If you don't know that, there's something the matter with you. I mean, it originates from The Sun, the Moon and Talia by the poet Giambasista Basile. And in the original telling, the princess falls asleep under the spell and is then attacked by a king who finds her in the palace whilst out hunting. And so it goes on. It was then adapted into a modern day thing. I mean, the curse says the princess will die after pricking her finger. 
but a good fairy manages to partially re- reverse the spell. In the book Miss, Miss Hall's son brought home, a character called Kipper is seen telling the prince to kiss the princess and she then wakes up. Everybody knows that. The 40-year-old said she was partly prompted to take action over the book by the coverage of the recent sexual harassment scandals. Oh, Apparently she's linking this to the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Harvey Weinstein now features in Sleeping Beauty, does he? God, blimey. I tell you, you sometimes wonder, don't you, what state we're in, what state we're in. So the, she, le- she left a comment in her son's record book and has since contacted the school to ask for it to be removed from younger classes. What did the school say? Have they, have they gone along with this do-lally thing or have they sort of just... They appeared and knocked on. How wise. How wise. But the trouble is we've now turned into this mamby-pamby nation of people. You can't say things to anybody in case they get offended. So she's asking the school to remove it. I mean, has she only just discovered the book or something? She's a bit slow in that department, isn't she? I should imagine this book's been, you know, in the library of all schools. You could probably find that, couldn't you? You could probably find it on Amazon. God forbid. God forbid that her son should ever actually go to Amazon and find it. And he might actually go out and kiss Pete. He's six years old, for goodness sake. Has she watched television programmes? These people, I mean, they must have really embarrassing lives. Never in my many decades on this earth, says Katie Epsom, have I thought Sleeping Beauty to be anything but a story with a feel-good ending. I think the woman's got a warped mind. Wouldn't want her murky interpretations anywhere near my family. There's always, I suppose you have to sit back and say, well, listen, she's entitled to her thoughts. But, I mean, you know, why shouldn't we also go, she's a bit mad, isn't she? You know, would you not think that was slightly peculiar? And, uh, and Benny says, does this woman believe that unchecked her six-year-old will start kissing fair maidens or having a snooze on the train. Oh, well, God knows what. But whatever it is, he's going to end up with a lot of issues. A lot of issues, because he's going to be confused. And at six years old, they don't need to be confused. Imagine you've got her as a mother saying things like that, and he's going, I don't know what she means. In years to come, it'll, it'll backfire. It really will. You know, all these poor, poor children. Uh, Philip says, that Sleeping Beauty mum could have a point. After watching Bambi, I wanted to go out and shoot deer. Not. Yes, of course, the bad thing is that Bambi's mother dies in it very quickly. Oh, sorry. Spoiler. I should have, so- I should have told you. I'm sorry. 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 I do apologise. don't want to ruin Christmas for anybody who might be watching Bambi. It's a lovely little film, though, isn't it, Bambi? But it's not real. OK, you know. No, I'm not going to talk. <laughs> I'm not going to mention that. I'm not going to mention that. You know what people are like? They get all uppity. How dare you talk about Father Christmas and Santa Claus? My 15-year-old was listening and burst into tears. You know, <laughs> sort of thing you deal with nowadays. It's funny, actually. Nobody can actually take take control of their own feelings. They have to sort of jump onto everybody else's bandwagon. Steve Allen on LBC. Apparently, a miracle blood pressure pill. That's what I need. I need that this morning. So everybody's telling me now, so it's got to be less than 140 and over 90. See, I don't even understand that. 120 over 60. So we've attached this. This is, this is quite a professional one that I've got. I've got a, a cheaper version, but th- this one's quite, uh, quite professional. So you sort of just turn it on, and then it's got, obviously got a motor in it. You hear it? You can probably hear that faint humming. Could be the person sleeping next to you. And then it sort of it goes up through through the numbers. As I say, I've got no idea what I'm looking at. Not a clue. I just I happen I write down the numbers after it finishes doing what it's doing. So it's supposed to be less than 140. No chance of that one. I don't think at all. I wrote down yesterday. I think yesterday was over 160. I think, but uh, I don't know how it how it works. It tightens your arm up and then gives you a well. How does that work? As I say, I don't know anything in this kind of thing. And it's sort of dropping down now. Then it will find its level. And you're supposed to keep your arm relaxed. Of course, I get stressed out just put, 
There you go. 152 over 84. What's it supposed to be? Oh, over 90. Oh, well, I'm all right on that bit. So less than 140. We're a bit over. We're a bit over, aren't we? 100, 152 over, over 84. My, uh, my, my doctor used to do best of three. Now, I don't know whether or not they're doing best of three to try and find the, the mean average, or they're doing best of three because that's how you're supposed to do it. But it, it sort of tightens up on your arm, and then presumably it's the pressure. And, but, I mean, what does it go on? Is it blood or something that's obviously not circulating through my arm at the moment? So I forgot what we just said. 154 over 90. Oh, right. 152 over 84. And this one should well, this one should should be better, shouldn't it? That's what I that's what I'm assuming. But, but presumably, the more you do, when you have this this done at the doctors, they go 140 over 85. The second one is. I think I might go for that one. <laughs> I say, if you keep doing this long enough, I could be practically comatose. I might have sort of passed on. So so let's say best of so I've brought it down from 100. And, 52 to 140 over 85. So that's that's not bad, actually. I think that's actually quite good. Shall we see if we can get it under 100? Of course, if it goes up now, I shall take the middle one. I shall go 140 over 85. And, he'll, and the doctor will say to me this afternoon, well, that's absolutely brilliant. I say, listen, do not take my word for it. I did it on the programme. I did it live. Because so, sometimes you could make things up, couldn't you, and put down what, what you think it's supposed to be saying. But I bought this little machine, and you can. I wouldn't advise people buying it unless you really need to know these sort of things, because otherwise you turn into a hypochondriac. And once you're a hypochondriac, I mean, I've got, you know, if you open up my fridge, you'll discover two things. Firstly, that I like uh, sauces, and secondly, that I've got lots and lots of insulin. There you go. Now we're 144 over 82. So I'm taking the middle one. <laughs> there you go. And it solves that, that problem. I don't need to worry about that for another day. This is LBC with Steve Allen. Ali Ross talks about Tamara's world, Tamara being Bernie Eccleston's monstrous mid-Atlantic daughter who's wanted for nothing in her life except the one thing she really needs, a parent to say no. (laughs) So she lives in a ridiculous, splendid house in Kensington, surrounded by flunkies, daughter Fifi and property developer husband Jay, who's as trustworthy looking as an ex-Essex lad with eyes so close together he's bordering on the Cyclops. This, the hope was, obviously, this fly-on-the-wall series would answer the question that has uh, bedeviled philosophers since the uh, dawning of time. What the... does Tamara Eccleston actually do? The answer is, she doesn't do anything. She doesn't do anything. She hasn't got any intelligence for doing anything at all. Thick as a brick. But uh, he says here, you know, <laughs> I know what you'll be wanting to do the massage tomorrow, because that's all she does. So tomorrow you're having your nails done and a massage. All right, and that's nice. It's just, it's a bit sad to watch, isn't it? It's a bit, it's show-off time. But then people like to do that, don't they? They like a bit of showing, if you've got a bit of money, you know, have a bit of bling. But the trouble is, because she's dim with it, it kind of takes it away. What she needed was her little father, who's about as big as a Polly Pocket, to go, you're not having it. You'll work for it. Get out there and do some work, you lazy, good-for-nothing old person. But uh, no, so instead they make a programme about it. So embarrassing. So embarrassing for her. But she probably doesn't see the irony of it at all. She's had to go on television and defend herself because people hate her. They hated her before. They hate her even more now. But I don't think she knows what toast is yet. I wanted somebody to go in the kitchen and go, oh, look, toast. And she'd go, is it? Yeah, it's for, you put bread. Do you? She's a bit like that. This is LBC with Steve Allen. The BA Flyers. This was an odd story. This this surfaced earlier on. And they say that you could soon be boarding British Airways planes according to how much you paid for your flight. 
From next month, those who pay the lowest fares will have to wait at the departure gate and board after everyone else. Uh, the carrier will introduce a group boarding system on all the flights from December the 12th. I can't really believe this is serious, this story. It seems a bit of a pointless one, doesn't it? When passengers check in, they'll be assigned a group number between one and five, which will be printed on their boarding pass. The lower the number, the earlier the passenger will be allowed on board. Number one will be assigned to first-class passengers on long-haul flights and short-haul travellers on BA's business class, Club Europe, as well as gold members of the BA Executive Club. Next will be business class club world passengers on long-haul flights and silver members of the Executive Club. Group three, passengers in World Traveller Plus, which is BA's premium economy, as well as bronze members, economy passengers will be in Group 4. Is this serious, or is this just some load of old hokum that they've come with? I mean, so basically what they're saying here, if you only paid like two quid, you will be tied onto the wing with sellotape and ropes, I should imagine. But there again, it does save a lot of time and, uh, and effort, and you won't have to wait for your luggage. You'll be clinging onto it with your other hand. Have you ever heard of such a thing? So now BA are making you feel even worse for flying with them, by sort of sticking you... I'm sorry, what number have you got in there? Oh, no, you're way down the list, dear. But I, I've, I've got a seat number. Wade, go down go down there. Go down there. But I, I thought I'd fly the flag. Go down there. You can just imagine what they're going to be like. Oh, it's going to be very Wagnerian, isn't it? Apparently, a spokesman at BA said, next month we're looking at introducing new boarding procedures to further improve the customer journey. Oh, oh sorry, I've misread it. They want you to spend more money with them. That's, oh, sorry, B. I I do forget. I'm sorry, I just thought you were being naturally snobby about the whole thing. You just want us to spend a lot of money so we don't have to stand with the peasants in line. I'm sorry, I bought first class. Right to the front of the queue, sir. The stewardess will be attending to you very shortly. You know, what's the point? Why don't you fly somebody else? Let's leave British Airways. Go, go whistle. Go whistle. What a dreadful thing. You see, I'm very demanding of air stewardesses. I'm sorry, the moment I sit down, I'm pushing my button. Hello? Yes, sir, how can I help you? Uh, tea. No sugar, a little bit of milk. Cow's milk, or do you have goat's milk? Which one do you have? And camel milk. Do you get that from Dubai? Thank you. Is it fresh? Fresh in today? Thank you. So she wanders away. Beep! He's back again. I'm sorry, um, I need to keep myself occupied on the flight. Do you have a colouring book and pens? Something? Perhaps some crayons or something? Thank you. Beep! Peanuts? Do you have any peanuts on this flight? Could I have some peanuts? And also I have a lightly toasted sandwich. Yes. I mean, that, that's just before takeoff. I'm not waiting for the food. What, what's everybody else eating? Oh, uh, God, when, when was that cooked? Last year? I don't want that. No, thank you very much. Beep! I need a, I need a drink. I want a tomato juice. But, I mean, if you're paying that sort of price, that's what it is. It's basically saying if you don't have enough money, you're going right to the back of the queue and they're going to point at you and laugh. You're going to be going, look at that, Steve Allen, look way down there, because he didn't buy first class. <laughs> Shan't be flying BA anytime soon, I don't think. That's a bit naff, isn't it? I mean, you know, would I mean I would pay extra to keep the seat next to me empty. Absolutely. Who wants people sitting next to you? Hello? Sorry? Hello? What do you want? I'm going to be ne- I'm going to be next to you for the next eight hours. <laughs> That's what you think, pal. That's what you think. Stewardess, beep! Remove this man. Stalker. Stalker. You don't you don't want somebody sitting next to you. And then they try and talk to you. Why? Why do we want to talk to you on a plane? I'm sorry, listen, it's an eight-hour flight. I'm bored with you already. You know, you sat here for two minutes. I want to sort of get... And I do go to sleep. I don't need to take a sleeping pill. I can sleep anywhere. I could sleep on the floor 
I have no trouble sleeping. The only place I don't go to sleep is the uh, is the toilet. Uh, Steve, surely if you're in the cheap ticket group getting on last, you just wander past the passengers already saying, I can't believe I only got this for £7. Yes, and we're all going to get there at the same time. And I've got an allocated seat. And I've got an... Or failing that even better. I've been upgraded. No, 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 no. Everybody's everybody's dream, isn't it, really? Uh, Steve, read BA. They've already loaded up according to what price seat you have. When I flew to Montreal in June for the Revolution exhibition, they loaded up that way. All right. And then somebody says, why don't they board passengers sending starting from the back? You also have to try and get by. Well, they're supposed to do that. That's how it's supposed to be done. If If they've got, you know, half a brain cell, they they start from the back. And they normally call people out at that, don't they? So now they're calling out, OK, if you've got a number one on your ticket, you'd like to make your way to the front of the queue, you're better than all these other peasants here that we've got. Because that's it. I mean, you feel like standing on a chair going, why are, you, why are you humiliating me? Because I don't have any money and I can't really afford to fly British Airways. Go, I'd be doing the revolution. I'd be on the chair, do you hear the pe- I'd be doing the whole blooming lot. I'm bringing everybody else in. People get, yeah, we don't want to be humiliated by British Airways. I'll tell you what, why don't we gauge the stewardesses on who's the attractive one and who's the overweight one, OK? Overweight one, you're working back of the plane. All right, fatty, come on, let's start doing it that way. Because if they're going to start, you know, sorting passengers out on how much you paid for a ticket, God, dreadful. Worst thing I've ever heard. It can't be true. Can't be true, can it? I hope not. Steve Allen on LBC. Another one here. Your Lynn is wasted uh, on the BBC. Should get her on your show, being the best show on the radio. My, my Lynn... Who's that? Have I got something else? My next... She's not on the radio, believe you me. You wouldn't put her on the radio. No, of course she's not on BBC Local Radio. She's my Lynn. She didn't go on BBC Local Radio. She wouldn't go anywhere near the BBC. BBC Local Radio. Here comes the vicar. You know, it's another dreary show. Oh, tell us what your favourite Christmas pudding is. You know, or failing that, wait a minute, you can now talk to Derek. Derek's with you all afternoon on BBC Radio Leicestershire. And uh, and you can phone up and read out your favourite Christmas crackers. And then we'll have some festive music. This is from the choir from our local church, St Martin's in Ely. And uh, they're going to be singing, and this this is the school choir we've got for you today. They're all under seven years old and they're singing... Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels. You can just see it, can't you? They're all so blooming awful. Would you like to put that? Yes. But can you imagine going to the nativity plays? I love, I love school nativity plays because I was in one. I was in one. I was in a school. BBC Alba? No, I don't know what it is. Is it Gaelic for Scotland? There is a BBC Radio Scotland. Actually, apparently, one of my, one of my drivers, he says there is um, he says a snow up there in Aberdeen. And he's, he's got a, lo- a load of whiskey. Have you, you've been saying that in the bulletins? How come we didn't hear that? How come we didn't hear that? Why do you not explain to me what he's saying? Oh, right. So there's snow in Aberdeen. I thought you were saying that snow was imminent. The subtitles are not working on the news, are they? So there's the snow. Is, is it here? No, not for us here. Up there it would be. How lovely. Let's drive up there. Let's go up there now. I'll get the car out and we'll drive up there and we'll just, we'll, we'll take, take the car for a spin in the truss. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? We can have a picture of us in the snow with our woolly hats on going, da-da, and then we can fall in the snow and then we can get out, take a picture of it and then we can come back down to London again. I love the idea that somewhere in Aberdeenshire it, it's snowing. I think that's just lovely. It must make you feel very festive up there, if not a bit frozen. Because it would be a little bit cold, wouldn't it? Steve Allen on LBC. 
Somebody says, you're looking forward to the LBC Christmas do. I've never been, I haven't been to an LBC Christmas do for donkey's years. We don't have an LBC... Oh, do we? I'm, we do have an LBC... No, we don't. No, we have had in the past. But, um, no, there, there is a big party. I mean, God knows how many are going this year. Thousands, I should imagine, for the, for the company do. But I never go to that. The reason being... I have to work the next morning. And believe you me, you cannot do this programme when you've had a few sherbets. You cannot. It is not physically possible because it's not like doing a music programme where you can probably just record a few links and put your head down. You, this, this is a speech programme. You know, three hours. I talk nonstop for three hours. And uh, I mean, Aussie boy's going. You know why? Because there's free food. And he will wander in here like he did last year. Oh, yeah. Well, sing, Matilda. Oh, God. So you have to join in with the communal singing. Well, once... A, we couldn't get rid of him last year, could we? Once a jolly jumbucks that by a billabong. Woo! And the coolabar tree. And it's hanging around when a billy boy. You come a waltzing, Matilda, with me. And then we love to join in all the chords. You know, waltzing, Matilda, waltzing. And he goes, Steve, I really love you. And I go, yep. HR, you know, we have to do these kind of things. But uh, it keeps him happy because we, we like to let him believe that he's got friends in this country. Whereas he hasn't. You know, but we like, we like to let him think that, which is good. Uh, Steve, uh, do arrive early for this year's LBC Christmas party before Paul Smith and Aussie Boy launch an all-out assault on the buffet table. Yeah, well, actually, I, would, I wouldn't be going anywhere. I, I wouldn't be going to a, a party. I just don't do a party. I'm, I'm happier not doing a party. I'm happier... You know, just waiting to see the fallout afterwards. <laughs> Much easier, isn't it? Leading Britain's conversation. LBC with Steve Allen. When you watch I'm a Celebrity, you, you, you do tend to forget they're not really in a jungle. They're just outside the Versace Hotel. It's a set. It's a movie set. It has to be because they've got hidden cameras. Uh, the crocodile's not really real. The waterfall is switched on and off. Um, and there's various other things that are going on there, and some of the rocks are papier-mâché, because otherwise, you know, you kind of people sitting on rocks and the logs are sort of brought in. So, in other words, it's a bit fake. The only thing that's real is the fact that Ant and Deck are there. The rest of it I wouldn't give you threepence for, couldn't care less. The so-called celebrities are not celebrities. They're just people down on their luck who need a bit of work and a bit of money, or they're just attention-seeking, because when you look at poor old Rebecca Vardy, I mean, I feel immensely sorry for this poor... You look at the pictures in some of the papers today. You know, I mean, she doesn't fit into anybody, anybody's category of, oh, my God, you're really stunning looking. You know, please don't stand under the shower, dear. It's a bit embarrassing. It's bad enough with that Toffo, Toffolo, Toffolo, Georgia, what's-her-face from Made in Chelsea, standing under the shower, looking a bit uncomfortable in a bikini. You know, because all her stuff is sort of with loads of makeup, uh, airbrushed and this, then we put this... So the bikini she's wearing at the moment, they're a bit crap. A bit crap. You know, if you're going to get your boobs out, darling, get them out. You know, flash them to the boys. Then your parents can go, that's our daughter, flashing her boobs like all the Geordie Shawcast. Class, isn't it? It's just that they're doing it, you know, kind of like, you know, posher. And then you've got Stanley Johnson in there. Uh, people seem to like Stanley Johnson, but I don't know what he's doing it for. They must have persuaded him that, you know, you'll be the most interesting person because the rest of them are a bit thick. And that would be an understatement. They're more than a bit thick. You've got Dennis Wise, not the brightest penny in the box. I mean, seriously, not the brightest penny in the box. It's a bit embarrassing, really, that now we know that they're doing it for money. They're not doing it because they've got some talent to show off. And uh, and so when you look at all of... I mean, even Scarlett Moffat being out there, she's a bit of a fraud, isn't she? All she did was comment on television programmes, and she wasn't much cop at that either. Amir Khan, I've now worked out, having watched him being interviewed, is just dim. 
Seriously, he's just dim. He's just, yeah, because I bonded with... Who's he talking about? He bonded with Dennis Wise or somebody on there, some ex-sort of sport man. And he said, yeah, because he'd been to see my fights. I thought, it's all about you, innit, darling? All about you and your dirty little behaviour with women. And they asked him questions. They went, are you ready for this, Amir? They've got some bloke on there who was on it the year before who's apparently a comedian called Joel Domit, about as funny as not. OK, just... In fact, I didn't know who he was. I just thought he was mentally camp with Tipex teeth in. He just, he just wasn't very good. But there again, nothing pales into the insignificant department and shut him back in the wardrobe again as Joe Swash. What a useless presenter. Yeah, because it's like, oh, wacky, oh, dear. Yeah, oh, is it? That's Joe Swash for you, the man who can barely string two words together, but luckily he's found somebody that if the work dries up, he's got a bird to look after him, so that's OK. So that's, uh, that's fine. But uh, I was sort of watching it, and I was thinking, this really is rubbish, isn't it? Amir Khan. OK, we've got some questions for you. This is what people have been texting in. <gasps> wow, you've been texting in questions. My question would be, why'd you cheat on your wife? Why did you exhibit yourself on the internet, start naked? You know, uh, that's the questions I'd be asking. No, first question. You ready for this one, Amir? Yeah, goes wicked Amir, who's like down with the kids, but not really. Um, how do you think you'll, you'll do in the jungle? Sorry? How do you think you're doing the jungle? That was a question somebody texted in. What thicko did that? It was one of the researchers. You don't think we seriously use the public's questions because they were also saying the same as Steve Allen on LBC. Why'd you cheat on your wife? Why'd you exhibit yourself in all your disappointing glory on the internet? You know, those were the sort of questions we wanted to know. You know, will you be cheating on any other people while you're in here? How many other women you got on the go? How many women have you written to? And also, why haven't you won a fight for two and a half years? All of these questions did not appear. Second question. Uh, Amir, are you ready for the question number two? Yeah, wicked. Yeah. OK, so question number two is, who do you think you'll bond most with in there? What? 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 Who, who's asked? What thicko watching the programme is asking that question? Researcher. That'll be the researcher. Yeah, what are you doing? I'm working on I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Oh, right. Lovely. <laughs> rivetingly dull, rivetingly boring. You know, it's like, you know, you want to ask questions of Amir Khan, not these pussyfooting around the, the... You know, that was just boring. They were the dullest questions I've ever heard. And they were also a bit too predictable. Come on, why'd you cheat on your wife? How many girlfriends are going to crawl out the woodwork and sell stories on you while you're in there? What, what do you reckon, dear? Why are your parents so vile to your ex-wife? Because they were. Why have they not picked on you for cheating on her? Come on, come on, ask the proper question. So, who do you think you'll, you'll get on best with in the... In, what? We're not interested in rubbish like that. Give us the meaty thing. He's only in there because he's, he's a plank. And it's for has-beens, isn't it? That's what he said five years ago. He said, you know, on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, that's for people who, whose careers are finished. That's you, in it, dear? You're the one whose career's finished. It's like Rebecca Vardy. Who, they say. Even in football, they say, Rebecca who? Oh, the attention-seeking one who slept with Peter Andre. What? Slept Rebecca Vardy slept with Peter Andre. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you know, Steve? Because she said he was the worst lover that she'd ever had. And she's obviously had a few. Because she's been around the block a few times. And, um, and so, mind you, I mean, a bit, Peter Andre's a bit insecure. I should imagine you won't, you won't find the wife going, he's a bad lover. But I shouldn't imagine. That's the reason it all fizzled out with old... Um, Who's the one who's had all the Botox? Oh, Katie Price. And so for some reason, all of a sudden, her face materialised and morphed into something else. Didn't look like her at all, so I couldn't uh, remember who she was. When is Amir going to box a kangaroo? Isn't that what he's in Australia for? 
Why is he hiding in the jungle, says Sue? He's a failure. That's why he's in the jungle, because he's a loser. And the reason he's a loser is because five years ago he gave an interview and he said anybody who goes into the jungle, they're has-beens. So little Amir Khan is a has-been. Having heard him speak, he's thick as a brick. Thick as a brick. What he talks about to his wife, I've got no idea. Steve, what celebrities, says Robin? They're really scraping the barrel. I'm surprised Bobby Cole Norris isn't on it. Oh, he's done celebco dating, you know, because he can't find anybody. I'm a bit, a bit embarrassing. Can't find another gay person in Essex. I mean, they are there. They just don't want to go out with him. Uh, George, uh, Georgia Truffalo, whatever she's called, is so desperate. She's done celebs go dating. I won't watch it, says Robin. I mean, she is, she's, she's trying to look sexy in the shower, but because she's not, she's just a very ordinary person. Very ordinary. Steve Allen on LBC. Friend of mine, uh, not in Iceland anymore. He did go to Iceland. I've never been. It's full of volcanoes, Iceland. Do you remember we had this uh, cloud some years ago that sort of came over and disrupted all sorts of things? Anyway, he and Famil... Uh, are uh, not in Iceland. Got back yesterday. Minus 13. Minus 13. Positively toasty here, by comparison. Amazing place. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's very nice. It's very expensive, isn't it? And I don't think it's famous for its food. Don't they do rotting shark or something? I seem to remember something in the back of my mind. You know, I get the feeling I'm not going to be getting scampi and chips anytime soon. It's, it's not known for the food. But it is an amazing place. They have the hot water... Thermal baths over there, and uh, it's quite. I'm not sure of it because Darren Adam, who does our overnight program, friend of mine, he um, he's learning to speak Icelandic, and he's been there numerous occasions. He loves it over there, absolutely loves it. Him and his uh, his his partner go over there all the time. Whereas I've never been. Uh, I've seen the documentaries on it, and it does it does look very nice. But the landscape is peppered by volcanoes. The roads are covered in snow. And there's something, something pretty about snow. And I don't know what it is. I cannot explain to any of you why. I don't want to drive in it. That's the problem. I don't want to drive in it, but I do love looking at it. So uh, minus 13. Ooh, I bet you were done up. I bet you were done up. How lovely. It's nice to have you back, though. Oh, Cod's Head. Is that what they... Pe- oh, I couldn't eat things like that. It's odd, isn't it? That's, that's funny things. I'm, I'm odd about food. I wish I wasn't. But I am slight. Oh, God, it looks even worse. He's, he's taken a picture of this cod's head. Oh, my Lord. Oh, I couldn't eat things like that. I would I would have to go for the... You know, you know, it's like going to the Chinese option and then you end up, you know, eating the English version. But I love Chinese food, so you won't, you won't find me complaining. But I couldn't eat cod's head. And they do do rotting shark. But the secret lagoon looks looks lovely, doesn't it? It's so, so pretty over there. So pretty. See, I could do things like that. I went into a, a, a friend of mine years ago. He used to... How can I identify him without identifying him? Anyway, he used to look after a very, very famous person managing him. And he bought this house up at Clam, Clap, Clapham Common. And years ago this was. Years and years ago. And ever such a nice guy. And he had decided he didn't want the garden in, in the back. He, didn't, he wasn't a gardening sort of person. So he had the whole backyard, back garden, turned into a swimming pool. And it was that year that it snowed, and it snowed heavily. But he had a heated swimming pool. Some people don't have heated swimming pools, in which case they probably freeze over. This one was like climbing into a bath. It was so hot. We climbed in it, and I've got pictures of me playing with inflatables. God knows they're going to come back and haunt me at some point in the future. And, um, and, and there's ice and snow all the way around the outside of the pool. And there's us larking around like children in this 
boiling hot pool. It's only when you got out of the pool you realise just how blooming cold it was. God, it was freezing. It was absolutely freezing. Apparently, Reykjavik, uh, Steve, is famous. They have a penis museum. I don't know why I paused before I said that. Probably for effect, actually, to let it sort of sink in. I must mention it to Lucy Beresford. I can't imagine a whole museum dedicated to uh, to the penis. Uh, for some, I mean, I don't really know why they've got... Why would that be in Reykjavik? Is it because it's very cold over there? And so it's a very small museum. <laughs> it's not. In fact, it's more just sort of a small cupboard with a couple of jars in it. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, these are typical uh, Icelandic penises here on this one. You know, I just don't, I don't get why you'd have a museum for that. Mind you, as I say, mine gets much older. Steve Allen on LBC. Tiger Drew Honey is working in a golf shop, apparently in between acting jobs. He said to the people there, he said, you probably recognise my face. Or if you've been on the internet, you probably recognise the rest of my body as well. And here's my father in a number of films that he's made, because his father's a porn actor. His mother's a porn actress as well. And he did a programme about what it's like being in porn. He, sort of, he hasn't really made it since then. He, he did a reality show, and then his career just washed out. You know, I thought there'd be something happening. But I, th- I think people just aren't interested anymore now. I think gone are the days of people worrying about, you know, what your parents do for a living or... Anything like that. I think you have to make it by yourself. And if you can't make it by yourself, then you kind of give up and you try something else. So, you know, I've always admired, you know, some of the reality show people who make their their career last a little bit longer than about, you know, a year. And now we're getting them. And I think you're probably fine. I've, I've got one coming up this morning and she's 20 years old and she's admitted, you know, because they have to come up. Sorry, is there anything you're addicted to, dear, apart from kebabs and having sex with people you don't know? Is there anything else you want to tell us about? Yeah, like addicted to cosmetic surgery. So they all they, they say they're addicted to it. So she's had everything done. She's had eight procedures at the age of 20. And my advice is, I'm sorry, but you have screwed your life up big time. Because quite clearly you're too stupid to have any advice. Uh, What happens is, when you become, in inverted commas, sort of semi-famous on television, you get loads of these uh, cosmetic clinics uh, who will contact you via your agent and go, oh, we we can have your eyes done or your eyebrows tattooed on or we can have your boobs lifted or you can have them stuck round on your back or whatever you want. And uh, it's for free, provided you mention the clinic. And so they do it. But anybody can set up a clinic. I can set up a clinic. I've said this a million times before. You don't need any qualifications to set up a clinic. You go and buy the equipment and then you just you just get on with it and people will happily queue up outside the door. People turn up all over the country. What are you having done today, dear? I thought I'd have my lips done and my boobs. <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah. And then it's my boyfriend. We call him Pimp. And you sort of look at all these people and you think, it's great when you're young, isn't it? You know, all of a sudden she's got perky boobs. She's got, you know, the plumped up face. No wrinkles at the age of 20, because you shouldn't have, unless you really had a rough life. And many of them have. And um, she, wants, she wants more work done. She said she's addicted to plastic surgery. She's on Geordie Shore. And to be honest with you, you look at her now, she now looks like the cheapest tramp going. It's the worst look you could ever have. If you really think that maybe your role model is Chloe Ferry... And Marnie Simpson, I'd give up now. You know, try and elevate yourself a little bit more. Her name's Abby. And uh, she said, but uh, she hadn't had anything done. And then apparently we come up with this line, which is, you know, I felt uh, inadequate in front of all the other girls. And so she's had all this stuff. So she's had lip, jaw and chin fillers, Botox, veneers, getting her eyebrows tattooed on. She told a newspaper, the annoying thing is, the annoying thing is, I get so many plastic surgery companies offering me procedures for free. It's hard to say no. Of course it is if you're thick and stupid. 
Of course it is. It's a constant battle not to go overboard. I'm telling you now, dear, and do not take my word for it. Let's just wait, shall we? For a few years down the line, where your boobs are round by your knees, where your face has sagged beyond all belief. Nobody, but nobody, should ever, ever, ever have cosmetic surgery on their face. She says, I think people in the public eye go down the surgery route because it's a quick and easy way to make them feel better about themselves. What a load of cobblers you talk, you stupid bag. What a stupid thing to say. You're not in the public eye. Nobody knows who you are. She was 18 when she had a breast enhancement. If these things were important, the NHS do them for people who are suffering from low self-esteem. She looks dreadful. You're going to end up looking... I mean, surely you've only got to look at Katie Price to realise what a complete cock-up she's made of her face. I mean, dear God, small wonder she can't hang on to people for very long. She probably gets into bed, takes all the makeup off, and they go, Woo! Who's that? And she goes, It's me, Kate Price. You know, because these people look unri... There's a picture in the paper today of Kelly Brook. I don't know if she's had any cosmetic surgery done. Without makeup on, she's unrecognisable as Kelly. I could put a picture up, I promise you, on the internet now and go, who's that? And you go, old woman. It's Kelly Brook, apparently. Goes to prove by the time you put the makeup on. That's why men, it's a bit more difficult because what you see is what you get. You can't, unless you are, you know, like uh, Albert, uh, Albert, he have all these procedures and all the rest. He just looks freaky. He looks freaky. There's something the matter with him. He's obviously got some sort of illness that he's, uh, he's in denial about. But when you get these girls who have their boobs done, they're having this done, and I'm having a designer, what's it down there, and we're being verjazzled and all the rest of it, you think, you must be off your bloody trolleys. You really must be off your trolleys. Why would you want... Her face is a completely different colour to the rest of her body. She's had, you know, contouring and highlighting. And She's 20 years old, this girl. 20 I tell you what, you have ruined yourself. You know, they all have hair extensions, which is great, until you get a little bit older and then you suddenly realise that the hair extensions are dragging your hair out by the roots. We had a, a young lady here and she had hair extensions done. And after a little while, she had them taken out because it was pulling her hair out. And you end up with really bad hair. And they trowel the makeup on. And of course, the older they get... And the more they can't afford the Botox and need to go and open another club, they have to they have to put more makeup on to cover up the fact that all of a sudden a wrinkle has appeared. God help us. My Lord above. You know, she's sort of another one of these poor people, these poor, sad, lonely people who think that, you know, shoving your boobs in somebody's face is the way forward. It's seriously, it's just embarrassing. And it happens on a daily basis. You could literally open up the papers every day and find another one of these poor creatures. You, you really want to go round to their parents' house and go, have you seen what she looks like? It's the blokes as well. You know, the Gaz Beadles. There's one bloke, isn't there, who's just recently skipped his um, community service thing and he's gone to Turkey for a beard transplant, a beard transplant, no less, and a hair transplant. Tony Beak. Uh, changed his name to Anton Dubeck for publicity purposes. He's just had a hair transplant. And you think, what is the matter with these people? I can afford a hair transplant. I can afford to have fillers done. I can afford to have Botox. I can afford to have anything. I wouldn't even dream of it. I wouldn't even... And they go, oh, it's a way to make you feel better in front of people. It makes you look like a slapper. That's the trouble with it. It makes everybody look as cheap as everybody else. So if you're on a reality show, I mean, look at some of them from... And we've seen them over the years, haven't we? You've seen them age on TOWIE. Look at Chloe Sims. Poor creature, honestly. What is she, 55, 60 now? Something like that. You know, you look at all of these people. But all these people are having all these procedures done. They have a picture taken and they put it on their, their page. And we're supposed to go, oh, I think I'll go there. I wouldn't go anywhere near these people. 
I really wouldn't. There's one bloke standing here. I'm hoping it's her boyfriend. Because I t- play, pray to God he's not the man doing the teeth whitening, but there's a very good chance he probably could be. You tend to find, you know, Botox and teeth whitening done all over the place. And then you end up looking as ridiculous as poor little Ryland Clark, O'Neill, Sebastian, you know, whatever it is. And, and you think, and you think you look good? You don't seriously, do you? Like poor Mr. Alvear. You know, I have this and that and that. But unfortunately, it just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. It really doesn't work. You're going to be seeing in a few years' time more people with emotional problems. And I mean emotional problems. Imagine admitting at the age of 20 that your life is so empty and so vacuous that you're addicted to plastic surgery. I mean, I don't know how you're affording it, dear. Unless they're paying you to go into a nightclub. But if I was in a nightclub, you'd generally have a few bevvies, don't you? Yeah, woo, bevied up. Yeah, yeah. Who we got? You've got Abby Ho- Hoban. Who? Abby Hoban. Who's she? Well, I don't know. She's just on Geordie Shore. Never heard of it. What, what does she do? And then she'll come on stage. Yeah. All right, hey, boy. Because they all sound a bit blokey, don't they? There's nobody who's actually feminine. The only feminine thing about them is they've got, you know, bazookas out here somewhere. That's, and even then, it could still be drag. You're never too sure. And they go, Abby's here. Yeah, all right. Want to sign my boobs? And you start thinking, we've all gone mad. We've gone round the bend. We're now in the realm of TV programmes that are devoted to complete prats. The temptation to have plastic surgery, says Holly, may increase as gravity takes hold with ageing. Yeah, but that's way down the line, not at 20. It easily helps us to identify who is lacking in emotional intelligence. Sadly, common sense isn't common. Well, I, I agree with you. You know, and then she tells the newspapers like anybody's interested, you know, and then she tells us, oh, you know, I want to look good when the fans take pictures. Who are you? You're a nobody, a no mark. You're nobody. At- Go and get a proper job, dear. Go and get a proper job. Steve Allen on LBC. The Queen has presented a very rare gong to Philip before a party at the castle. And this is so he's um, th- there's all sorts of strange people here. They, they, so so Philip and herself celebrate 70 years. And so they invite some people, family party. Philip, 96, was joined in the carriage, he went carriage driving, uh, with his nephews, Maximilian, the Margrave of Baden, 84, his younger brother, Prince Ludwig of Baden, 80, and two female grooms. Who are all these people? It's European royalty, ladies and gentlemen. The Queen presented Philip with a rare honour to mark their platinum anniversary, appointing him a knight Grand Cross of the Royal Victorian Order for services to the Sovereign. I don't think we need to go down that route, do we? I think we know what the services are. Hello. <laughs> I mean, it's just... its it, They're just made-up awards. You'd hope that she bought him something useful, like a Toblerone, or failing that, you know, she's had the wall reinforced between her and his bedroom, so she doesn't have to listen to his snoring, or vice versa. Vicky Verka. It is odd, isn't it? So she's, she's got them this thing, and he's probably going, what, what is that? Well, it just means for services to the sovereign. Good God, they give awards for that, do they now? Well, I must have been pretty good, Charles, Andrew, Anne. <laughs> Great fun. Mind you, two out of three is not bad, is it, really? Those are all the highlights I've got time for this morning. Don't forget, I'm back live from five o'clock tomorrow morning and we'll be with you for the 4am spike all next week too. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.